You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I find a lot of wisdom that comes from your show. You interview different people and I know you just do an overall good job and you're a blessing to recovery in general. So I want to make that very clear for the record that I love the movement that you have, what you're doing, you're saving lives and you're educating and informing people. I think that's important. I want to thank my friends at Recovery Survey for giving me the opportunity to talk to them about my recovery journey. Thank you for having me on uh, the new podcast that you just developed, which is unbelievable, Recovery Survey Podcast. I really appreciate what you're doing and, and been doing and continue doing. Our guest today is named Mark S. from Las Vegas, Nevada. He's here to tell us about his journey from living on the streets to carrying a message in H&I. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, my backstory was, uh, you know, at a very young age, you know, I grew up, my mom was a prostitute and my dad was never in my life. So what ended up happening is I seeked for a father figure out in the streets and I started running the streets when I was 11 years old. So, you know, I was just this little baby running the streets and trying to find this father figure. And I, you know, it was this this little white boy from Vegas that was just out there just running amok, man. And, uh, just started committing crimes and, uh, started going to jail, started, uh, trying to Feel that void of not having your father figure in your life. So I always looked up to the wrong people. And uh, for a long time, you know, like I, I thought I looked up to the people that went to prison. And I always told myself, like, I can't wait to go to prison. And I can't wait to be a part of that lifestyle. Pretty much what ended up happening is I did my first one, everything. I chased that for the rest of my time. And I was in active addiction for 16 years. And, uh, you know, so what ended up happening is I did my first one of weed and I chased that high. I did my first one of speed. I chased that high. Everything that I did, my first hit of crack, I did everything. But when I first really got introduced to heroin, it just gripped me, man. It just gripped me. And once it gripped me, it, it had me. And I remember I would always try to get the methadone and, you know, pills. And I would, I would try to tell myself, like, I'm going to taper myself off. I'm not going to be hooked on this. And then push comes to shove from 19 years old. I'm a full blown heroin addict. And I lost my grandma. When I lost my grandma, man, like, uh, I just didn't care no more. You know, my grandma was 56. She fell down the stairs and, uh, she, she had a stroke and, uh, I became very violent started putting my hands on anybody and everybody. I started being abusive to my girlfriend and, uh, pretty much what happened was I, I self-medicated through the heroin and through the drugs and, uh, you know, I didn't really go anywhere, but, uh, by the time I was 22, full-blown IV heroin user. And I remember the first time I did it, man, I, I picked that rig up and I chased that high for another, you know, I was off and on for like seven years, but pretty much what ended up happening is I did the geographical and I tried to move to different states. I moved out to uh, Arizona. I couldn't stop using out there. Uh, I moved out to Wyoming. I couldn't stop using out there. 
I um, moved out to Utah, ended up homeless downtown Salt Lake there. And, uh, you know, I, I thought if I moved to different states that I thought that I, my disease, you know, I didn't know nothing about the disease, the disease, the disease. It literally went right in my backpack and followed me everywhere I went. So by the grace of God, you know, I got arrested one time and my sponsor, uh, he was in the jail cell and he was preaching about this program. And what ended up happening is she was like, yeah, like, I'm going to get clean. And I was like, I don't want nothing to, I don't want nothing to do with that, you know? And when I graduated, I, I ended up becoming homeless and Vegas and what ended up happening is I found a tent and I lived in that tent for a year and I uh, was in, in stuck in the streets for you know like a year and a half I didn't sleep in no house no bed no nothing you know it was just straight bum and uh, I got arrested and I got caught with the cotton ball of heroin and got put into the you know drug court and um surrendered went to rehab and I knew the day that I walked into that rehab that I had a purpose and it was to carry the message and try to bring the next person up you know I remember I heard the first powerful testimony that I ever heard and I told myself right then and there that I have one of those but uh if I didn't stay clean and if I didn't put one foot in front of the other and if I didn't do the 12 steps and if I didn't try to reach out and, and help somebody else that uh I wasn't going to make it so I, that's what I did I just carried the message and I got my feet wet. And I remember when I first got into service with carrying the message, I knew that um, if I do this with this little bit of time, I could touch more people because when I first get clean, if you have multiple years of recovery, I, I tune you off. But if you have under a year, I'll listen to you. So that's why I jumped straight into service. And by the grace of God, I've been able to be a part of so many people's stories and they're all coming up on multiple years. And it's just a beautiful journey, man super grateful that's amazing man can you tell us a little bit more about h&i and what they do okay so pretty much with h&i you know it's hospitals and institution and uh i'm not gonna sit here and and act like i know everything about it but i know that uh those are the people that came in when i was in rehab and those are the guys that look happy and they had glow to their faces and they were wearing nice clothes and they had car keys they were doing something right. They were doing something right and they looked happy. And what ended up happening was uh, where I come from, if you're wearing clean socks, clean socks is what attracted me to the H&I when I first was in rehab. I'm looking at these guys and I, I wouldn't look at nothing they're wearing. I didn't care about nothing, but I would always look straight at their shoes. And I'd look and I'd see like clean white socks and I'd be like, I'd be like, it would trip me out because where I come from, we don't wear clean socks. We don't wear clean socks. We don't wear clean boxers. That's one of the hardest things to get when you're out there on the street corners. So every time that I, I would look at all these people's clean socks, I, it would just, it would go in my brain. I'd be like, dang, like how are these guys wearing clean socks? You know, I sat back and I listened, man, and I listened and I listened to the story and I didn't judge the messenger because what I learned in H&I is I could learn from somebody that my head will tell me not to listen to this person because I already will judge them before I even see them open their mouth. And what ended up happening is I have to close my eyes and I have to listen and I have to listen for the message. I have to realize 
you know, that I don't know nothing because that's why I'm in rehab. So when you get to be on the other side of the, the chairs and you get to be the one bringing in the message, everybody has their own purpose and their own position in the program. This is what I feel like. And I feel like the program has messengers. The program has people that are meant to do the conventions. There's people that are meant to be trusted servants. But uh, the thing that I found in my life that I knew that was for me was I was a messenger. And I was a messenger for the 12 steps. And I was a messenger from God. Because for me to be 27 years old and to be getting clean and to be able to, to live two lives, we get to live two lives in recovery. We get to live our old life. And I never thought that my deep, dark, crazy past would be able to help somebody. I thought my deep, dark, crazy past was just strictly my life that I was going to live until I die. So when I get into recovery and when I get clean and when I get to get some clarity and when I am able to suit up and show up for somebody just like they did for me, there's nothing more fulfilling. You know, it feeds my spirit. I always share this when I go into H&I. I tell them, I say, look, guys, if you don't want to listen to me, you don't have to listen to me because I don't get paid to be here. How I get paid to be here is by seeing the light switch click in somebody's eyes and getting to see them get the deal. The sad part about H&I is like there's like a 5% ratio that I've seen, 5 or 10% that I've ever seen actually get it. And when I get it, I mean, you know, doing the 12 steps because that's the bread and butter of the program. I've seen so many people get their lives back, get the cars back, get the girls back, because I call that the recovery care package. When you come into the program, you're going to get all that back. I always remember somebody told me, they said, if you don't buy dope, you're going to buy a car. And I never could believe that. So what ends up happening, man, is, is if I live in love, I'm going to reap the benefits from love. If I live in fear, I'm not going to get nothing but misery. So what ends up happening, man, is like I love to carry the message. You know, I, I love to try to give back. I love to – I found a purpose here, and that, that is to carry the message. So I would suggest to anybody, man, that has never um, – that has ever been in recovery and that has ever had their head tell them that they have nothing to offer – you do have something to offer because every single person is a messenger. It's up to you if you want to carry your message or not. Yeah, that's the most important thing we do in our meetings is we carry that message and let people know that an addict, any addict can stop using, lose the desire and find a new way to live. And I like what you brought up about how a lot of us feel like we don't really have a good message to bring. But as long as we bring a true an honest message. I think people recognize that genuine and honest message and can relate to it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, another good way for me too is what I do is in my home group, I share about anything that's going on in my life. And I'm not the type of person that has done this thing completely perfect. You know, I've done a lot of crazy stuff in recovery. But the only thing that I do is when my ass is falling off, I go into a meeting and I share about it. And that gives the new guys hope because 
what ends up happening is when you get very active in the program and when you speak from the heart, you touch other people, real recognizes real. So what ends up happening is I go to these meetings, I go to my home group and I have a lot of guys that look up to me. So what ends up happening is when I'm putting myself in sticky positions, I go in the meeting and I tell on myself, I've had so many times where people have like, they gas, they hold their breath. And like, by the grace of God, I get to tell them, I say, well, I didn't get high. And they're like, like, oh my God, that was close. And like, yeah, like we don't, as long as I don't pick up, then I don't use, then I don't relapse, then I don't have to go back to the dark place. But there's nothing that I've done perfect here besides haven't picked up and haven't used. I agree. I think it's really important that we share both the good and bad times in our recovery so that the new people coming in see that there's going to be some difficult times, but we can get through those and we don't have to pick up. Yeah, of course. I always like to fantasize about the bad times because if I fantasize about the good times, I will go back to what my disease will tell me it was a good time. Well, let's go back to it. When I share my message, it's always about the bad because I have to remind myself all the time about the pain that I went through to get to the program. I can't fantasize about the good times because there was a very lot of good times. I had some of the best times of my life loaded. If I didn't have good times loaded, why did I stay in it for 16 years? Why did I chase the first one for 16 years, you know? So I'm not one of those type of people that say my worst day clean is better than my best day loaded. The best day loaded was one of the highlights of my life. The, one of my best days loaded was, the, was one of the best days in my whole life that I've ever lived. But what ended up happening is the pain that I had to go through, it hurt so bad that I had no other place to run to but to go to a 12-step program. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm right there with you. When I found the rooms, I was at the end of the road, and I didn't know what else to try. Yeah, well, what, what ended up happening to me is I didn't have any veins left. You know, like a lot of people say, oh, the drugs weren't working, the drugs weren't working. Well, guess what? Every time I did a shot or every time I got high, I got loaded, and I and the drugs worked very well. It wasn't until I didn't have a vein to strike no more. That is when, you know, I always share that in my message. I always say, you know, like, I came here because I didn't have veins that were working anymore. Because if I had veins that were working, I would still be out there. That's real. There's nothing to sugarcoat about it. You know, I, I, I love to get high. But when I came into recovery, I never knew that I could live life without getting high. I didn't know no other way. I thought rehab was something that you see off movies. and see on commercials and stuff how are you going to help a hope to die dope fiend like myself i didn't know no other way so you know it's just crazy how life gets so good and i do like what you said about about we need to share the good and we need to share the bad you know because if i share the good 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 it's going to turn off the newcomer and that's not what i want to do you know i don't want to turn off the newcomer i go for the people that other people gave up on because that's just how my program works. You know, we don't kick our wounded. We don't, we don't give up on each other here. That's beautiful, man. There's hope in the rooms for everyone. It's just real. It's just real. When you really speak from the heart, you know, you, 
I can't take credit for anything that's coming out of my mouth today because everything that came out of my mouth before I came to recovery was bullshit. It was just BS. It was just a lie. It was just any way to get my next one. You know, I'm going to tell you anything you want to hear so I can get my next one. So we come into the program and you get some, you get to live some spiritual tours. You get some freedom from the 12 steps. You get to live a different life. You get to love the person that you are in the mirror. I remember I was homeless downtown Salt Lake. I was 23 years old. I was like 24 years old and I'm homeless living in this homeless shelter and I'm sitting there. I got, you know, I got drugs on me, whatever, whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm brushing my teeth in a homeless shelter. And I'm like, I couldn't even look at the person on the other side of the mirror because I'm like, how did he get this bad? I almost lost my left eye because of MRSA. I almost lost, lost my left hip. I've woke up so many times in drug overdoses and uh, hospitals. You know, I'd, I'd wake up from a drug overdose in a hospital and they'd tell me stuff like, you're lucky to be alive. And I would just be like, I got to get out of here. And that's the beautiful thing about it, man, is like, I knew, like I said, man, that the stuff that I went through, when I tell people, they, they still can't believe it. They're just like, man, and you're only, you know, and they'd always tell me like, you're young still, man, you still have your whole life ahead of you. I, I just can't believe that you went through what you went through. It's just a miracle, you know, it's just a miracle to make it out of what I made it through, man. Las Vegas is not a joke. It's a town that is meant to tear you down, you know, like it's, it's not no fun playground out here. You know, it's the party capital. We don't stop 24, seven, 365. Our town is pumping, juicing and going. We're stopping now, but we're only stopping because of this. But once we open back up, we're going to pick up right where we left off. You know, it's just like if I use, if I use, I'm going to pick up right where I left off. My street corner is right there. My neighborhood's right there. My mom's living in the desert. She's just waiting for me to come back, you know, but I got to lead by example. It's attraction, not promotion. And we got to keep putting one foot in, in front of the other. And we have to, we have to try to give back what was so freely given to us, man. And they say grateful addicts don't use. And we got to live by that, man, because. That fear, man, that fear and living in defect, you know, will will wrap us up and next thing you know, we're we get what we get, man. And you know, I just suggest everybody, man, do ninety meetings in ninety days. If you don't like what we got to offer, your your misery will be refunded because uh I tell you what, they're out there. They're not gonna stop using. I tell you that. So we just gotta be grateful that we're on this side of the uh of the grass and it's a lot greener on this out of the grass i'm truly grateful for the opportunity to get to share this with you man because this program saved my life 12 steps saved my life i'm grateful i'm very 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 grateful thank you so much for sharing your story with us and letting us know a little bit more about h and i thank you bro where can people find you okay you can follow me on ig at l-i-t-1 and then h-u-n-d R-E-D, and then you could add me on Facebook. I'm available to anyone. My name is Mark E. Santusi, S-A-N-S-O-U-C-I-E. Any newcomers or anybody needs any advice about recovery or trying to get help, I'm always available. I'm also a music artist. I rap about my pain and what the struggle was like for me to get here. So uh, 
give me a follow and give me a friend request. I'll, uh, it'll be an honor to be a part of your journey and you be a part of mine. Thank you again, Mark, for sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. Thank you again for sharing with us, Mark. You can find all his contact information in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes. So you love podcasts and you want to listen to more amazing content, but you have no idea what to listen to. And your friends keep telling you about great episodes, yet you can never remember what they told you. Well, here's the answer. Good Pods. It's the social app dedicated to podcasts where your friends podcast listeners, and favorite podcast hosts all come together to share on their feeds what they recommend and what they listen to. You can connect to others, bookmark episodes, start a conversation about the episode, connect to the hosts, and most importantly, listen to great podcasts right in the Good Pods app. Download Good Pods wherever you get your apps and start sharing with a community that loves to listen. Good Pods, it's where to connect and listen.